everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. This episode we'll be discussing a very particular set of films produced by Fangoria in 1991-92. I'm your host, Michael, and uh, Kersey's on the other side. Hey, what's going on? You know, the problem with doing shows with tons of different people is sometimes I pause <laughs> to remember. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I do the show mostly with Jacob, and I almost said Jacob. I have this muscle memory thing. It's not like I didn't know his name, but I had to pause and start over again in my head. All right. Yeah. I mean, it's not like we haven't been doing this for eight years that yeah. you forget my name. But yeah, yeah, it, it yeah, happens, yeah, yeah. Happens, it's completely normal. Also, like he likes to remind me, I'm getting old. <laughs> my brain's caving in on itself. Um, yeah, I was just thinking about how we are almost to eight years because we started off with Trash Cinema. I think, I want to say the very first episode we did was Crank. Am I wrong? Yeah, yeah, Crank 1 and 2. And yeah. I think that was, that was over the summer of 2016. Yeah, I want to say it was tw- uh, twenty uh, June 2015. Yeah. That would, that would make sense. I remember it being really hot in my new apartment. Oh, so yeah. Uh, oh, that's right. I was cooking, too, because I had that weird apartment that was facing the sun, and it had this huge bay window with nothing covering it, and it would just cook and cook and cook. Yeah, then my place did not have any sort of AC or, or heater unit, so it was yeah. just a disaster. All right, so three films. Which one do you want to start with? Um, let's go with the. Uh, oh man, I can't remember the name of this one. This is the 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 Evil Hand. Oh, Severed Ties. That was it. Yeah. Um, just give a quick a little bit of breakdown for this. So Fangoria, th- I've seen Fangoria's name on a bunch of movies, but this is the only time where they actually produced them. They had a distribution deal with Columbia TriStar Home Video. Uh, they were always designed to go straight to video, and the budgets were always a million dollars. The stuff you see later, like they did two runs, like I think one was like around 99, 2000, they did a few movies, and then they did another one around 2013. That was like the way it was with National Lampoon, where someone just paid a fee, they they approved whether or not it was worthy of having their name attached to it or whatever, and then just slapped Fengory Presents. No, these are actually like designed in-house. So, like, the people who own Fangoria were actually producing these movies. Like, they saw the scripts, they put up the money? Correct. Okay. And back then, you know, there was so much money coming in from straight-to-video movies and, and or barely-released films. that they, they were already getting their, like, whole thing paid for up front. So, a million dollars isn't crazy when you consider how many video stores were back then. Think about one copy for every video store. And you're pretty good if you kept your budget like under $3 million. Uh-huh. Uh, all right, so Severed Ties, in my opinion, is the weakest of the three. That's why I wanted to start with it, yeah. And there's nothing particularly wrong with it. When you consider like how directed video movies are done during this time period, I would say it's upper echelon. It's, it's uh, like a higher-end full moon picture, if you want to compare it. I was uh, going to say like late-night TV movie. Yeah, it almost feels like they could go with, uh, like, uh, Monster Vision or the old Gilbert... Was it Up All Night with Gilbert Godfrey? You know, those kind of campy movies. Especially this one. This one really has a tongue-in-cheek, outrageous, comic booky feel. Uh, most definitely. It, it's probably the most absurd of all of them. At least of the three that we did. Yeah. And Which is, which is saying something, because the... One of them is like a Mad Max feature, right? Right. But for some reason, like the, this one to me is just like the one that stands out as being the weirdest. Well, I mean, okay, so give me a breakdown of the plot because most people have not seen the, this movie. The only one that's been distributed beyond VHS is Mind Warp, 
And you can uh, tell, you find the other two on YouTube, but obviously downgraded VHS quality. Um, this one is Billy Morissette, Al, uh, Lannis Morissette's little brother. Um, and Oliver Reed and Elkie Summer are the kind of the names at the time, I guess, if you want to attach them. Oh, and Garrett Morris, who's in two of the three, which is wild to me because he's also in Children of the Night. Um, it's uh, he's a, like a, a scientist kid or whatever. He's like a prodigy with his hu- working for this huge corporation, and he's continuing his father's work, so it has a little bit of Frankenstein feel to it. And through a really weird, uh, obvious uh, chain of events, he gets his arm severed, uses the the science experiment that he was working on for you know reattaching limbs because uh, he's working on lizards and like cutting off their tails and stuff like that and seeing how they regrow <laughs> he puts it in his arm and here's the weirdest thing is i get the lizard part and i get the arm replacement part how are you supposed to expect how that arm fits in the tail is so long it's like a four foot tail and he's shoving it into his body where'd it go where'd it go uh-huh. it's hiding out in his guts Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, the, the the science fiction element of it is not really that well thought out. No. <laughs> to say the least. It, 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 it's absurd. What I don't get is, like, so they collected DNA from serial killers, and that's how they synthesized the thing, the, the, the science juice, let's call the, it. The whole science thing is so... I almost have to consider this a parody. Like, just gonzo-level, right. nutso... Because... What they're doing is they're throwing people in these tubes and then grinding them up like a blender and then re putting them their, their fluids through a tube and reforming them, kind of like the fly, you know, when you went from one thing to another. Uh, but trying to reform a human from that. Yeah. <laughs> what? Or, or whatever. Uh, yeah, it's, it's completely absurd. And he has like a symbiotic, like the way Venom is. You know, with his arm, and he's like, it's his best friend now, and they communicate, but it's vicious. Yeah, it's like, uh, have you ever played Metal Gear Solid 2? No, I haven't. Okay, that's basically the plot of Metal Gear Solid 2. Really? One of the the main characters from the first game gets uh, their arm cut off, and then they get another arm surgically reattached to them, and that person is, like, world-conquering evil man, so then he, like, Split has like split personality. It's a whole thing. Doesn't matter. But I'm just saying that it, it like these kind of like silly sci-fi elements work for a video game because it's supposed to be funny. It doesn't really work for this kind of movie. Yeah. Well, we discussed it with body parts uh, like a few months ago or whatever, and it, the still the ridiculous that I was. Oh, so she just kept his head in a jar the whole time and kept him going. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously the. the Science and medicine is not the strong suit of whoever the writer is. No. So, but it's still just, it's still kind of fun, and I like the the creatures they create. It's just a lot of it's. I feel like it was repetitive, and the pacing just wasn't there. Yeah, like the first fifteen minutes is pretty solid, and that's about it. I, I thought <laughs> I it was like funny. I, I lost steam so quickly when I started it. Yeah, I thought it was funny the chopping of the fingers off. And then they they grow four more like little hands are coming out of the hand, <laughs> which uh, years ago I thought it'd be really funny. Um, you know how all the spaghetti westerns were a rip off of a fistful of dollars, and there's a whole bunch of them. Um, yeah. But if there was a fistful of fists, and he just had like a little fist at the end of each finger, or whatever, and he had super powered punches, <laughs> starring Flint Eastwood. 
or no, Flint Westwood, what it was. <laughs> you had to rip off, if it was an Italian ripoff, you had to have an Italian ripoff name, too. Exactly, yeah. All right, so our second film is? Well, let's, let's, let's say Mind Warp, so Children of the Night. Okay. Um, so Children of the Night, uh, I think is my favorite of the bunch. I think it's the most well-made. I wish that it had been cleaned up and looked better so you could see what was going on, you know, because a lot of it's really dark, dank, you know, because it's shot in a... What was that again? Like a church that had been swallowed up by the lake or ocean or something? I can't remember now. Yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, I think there's some kind of like uh, seismic shift or something and it just kind of sunk into the earth. Yeah, and so it was a cursed church and it's become like the urban legend around there and the kids dare each other to go see it and then and, and one of them gets... Uh, they wake up a vampire. It's so funny that it gets woken up by a cross. And then it, you know, like, you would think since that's its weakness that it wouldn't, like, it could wake up technically, but it would have no power. It would be like, oh, shit, this thing's in my fucking face. Because <laughs> those are usually the rules uh, of. I guess maybe, but I mean, like, if you want to wake someone up, you kind of slap them in the face. So maybe I it's guess. kind of like that. So. Yeah, and it did fall off his face, I'm assuming, like, because it was in water and just floated away. Um, yeah. And then that reignites. The only thing, it reignites like a whole vampire infection. The thing that bothers me, I think, is there's a weird hiccup where I feel like, do they jump forward a lot in time? Because I feel like it was just like the next day or the day after. I thought this whole, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. They did mention, I think it was a month. I think it was just one month had passed. But it okay. did feel like it was all one or two nights yeah but like they infected the town so fast and there was that whole story with the priest and the woman and her daughter trapped in the room and it felt like it had been weeks um so that was that was a kind of questionable about how long it's been but it's kind of like a salem's lot plot where you know it slowly takes over the whole town and then we have the extremely likable peter deloise uh from 21 jump street as like our teacher hero uh who comes uh back to his old town and because uh, one of his uh, students has gone missing and kind of getting into like what's going on with this town I think though my favorite character is that fucking smart mouth cool ass sheriff or cop or whatever she was mm-hmm. yeah every line out of her mouth was like gold to me <laughs> yeah what was that just like Immediately after uh, uh, taking the kid over back to her grandmother's house, or mother's house, I think it was her grandmother's house, and just going on this like two minute tirade about how much she hates her husband. And like, <laughs> right, so how are you doing? Just, just completely casual, as if nothing had happened. Yeah, and then she disappears, and I was worried that she was never going to come back into the film again. Yeah, me too. The uh, I think this is probably the most. I guess well made of the bunch because it's from director Tony Randall who's just coming off of Hellraiser, Hellbound 2. I don't think the other two movies were directed by veterans. I think they were guys that had just like, you know, this is a, that was their first film. And there's a lot of atmosphere that I think that really works for it. But a lot of it just comes down to pacing and I think I really just love vampire stories, especially you kind of stick to the original lore, but just add little bits and pieces. The weird hibernation cocoon lungs out thing was really weird yeah i did not get that i I don't know if this was like a mutation of vampire or this is like some kind of their own spin on it i'm not exactly sure what that was because like not all of them did that right it was just some of them hmm i feel like like like, okay so like the uh the, the priest who was having the had the two people in the house right right 
had the the mother and the daughter and the daughter i believe even though she was bitten several times she was kind of being used as a leech for her mother i don't think she slept with her lungs out no i think i think i wonder i wonder why the mother did it in the middle of the night i can see why you would do it during the day because you know you always need the familiar or whatever and, and to protect you which that one little kid is but then, like, you need your own coffin, cocoon kind of thing. But I don't recall it being daytime when she shifted, you know, coated herself in that stuff and popped her lungs out. Yeah. So I don't understand the, the rule on that one. But um, I, it was at least something new and interesting that they added to it. I kind of like the, the look and the style of the vampire they had. It's kind of like the one that they would use in subspecies. Have you ever seen that? No. It's kind of a... It's a full moon franchise, and they're all set in Romania, but they have, like, that kind of mix between, like, Nosferatu, ugly vampire, and all... Because we were going through that phase where vampires were so romantic, instead of just being, like, disgusting demon beasts, or whatever you want to call them. And, of course, that would be ruined with Twilight, and I, I still don't see vampires going back to that, really. <laughs> I miss... I yeah, I 30 Days of Night is a pretty good... I think 30 Days of Night is a pretty good representation of what a vampire should be. Yeah, I, um, it's, it, yeah, it was a little more reminiscent of like John Carpenter's vampires, um, where they were basically just like infestations, like they were just monsters. Yeah, like like the roaches of the monster world. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, um, well, one of the things I thought was so weird in the beginning of the movie was like, so they go to this church that's basically under Earth, mm-hmm. and... Like they, you, you, you're there to before you leave the town. You have to swim, and there's there's dead bodies in there. Yeah, and they I'm... know and they know that, and they're still swimming and like diving under the water and opening their eyes under the water. It's like, why, why are you doing? That's so they, gross. Seriously, so disgusting. Yeah, I was like, well, they're they're uh, the bodies decay and the pieces kind of go around. Right. I don't know why you would voluntarily do that, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Not, I, I was just kind of taken aback for a bit. This is the one I think that has the right balance of comedy, too. It's not too camp. A lot of the comedy is kind of like situational based instead of tone based. Like, oh, this thing happened. We didn't expect it to go this horribly wrong. You know, that kind of humor. Mm-hmm. Or character based, like the, the cop. Yeah, I, I, I thought it went a little far in some places. I think the, the mother vampire can be very annoying, but that's just mostly in her, like, um, uh, like mocking tone, it's supposed to be annoying, but it really does. Yeah, uh, well, Karen Karen Black is one of the weirdest careers I've ever seen. In the seventies, <laughs> she was kind of like one of those avant garde actresses that got a little bit of notice, and all of a sudden, for like five years, she did studio films, and then everybody's like, "This lady's fucking weird." So the eighties started downturning, doing more B movies, and by the nineties, she's just doing small roles like this. She's just uh, she gets under my fucking skin, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Like, in, I don't know if you've yeah. ever seen or even heard of a movie called Reuben and Ed. No, never heard of that. It's a uh, Crispin Glover, and uh, he's like this weird hippie guy who is supposed to go to one of those power meetings. You know, like where uh, what do you call it? You know, like the one in Magnolia that uh, Tom Cruise does. Oh, um, like what? like a uh, pickup artist thing. Yeah, he's like, well, this was more about uh, success. And it's like, oh, you got to go out and you got to bring one person into the next success meeting or whatever. And all you do is pay like $100 and, and it's just a big scam. 
And Crispin, uh, so pyramid scheme, basically. yeah, and Crispin Glover wants nothing to do with it, but he says to this guy, he goes, "If you help me go out to the desert to bury my cat, I'll go to the meeting with you." And it's complete hell or whatever. But Karen Black is in there as like the most irritating ex-wife who all she does is scream. So I don't know which which performance is more irritating, the one in this or the one in that. <laughs> I don't know. Like if she dialed it back just a little bit, I would I would like it more. But yeah, that's just one of those. It's just one of those decisions that I don't agree with. Yeah, it's it's because we're she's supposed to be like seducing him, like bringing him in. Why is she just screaming at him? She wants him to come in, use your feminine vampire hypnosis, whatever you know. Actually, that was the thing I kind of liked about that though, because it was the thing I didn't like about it was that she understood that he was attracted to her so instead of trying to be seductive which is what he would expect she threw him off uh, uh. instead by doing something different um by kind of by pissing him off so that he'll come into the room and then she was more seductive at that moment i, I, I actually kind of like that okay all right so our third film is uh mind warp uh sorry bruce campbell against i guess kind of against type at this moment where he was playing like lots like lots of Evil Dead influence kind of roles, like we saw just in the last episode where we watched uh, Waxworks Two. Yeah, this one's a <laughs> yeah, more. Yeah, fan that goes around and kills people. I wonder what they thought of that. Yeah, it's it's more straightforward, more serious. Uh, but he's still doing like the outrageous stunts, and I'm guessing that's a big draw for casting him. But also by this point, he's starting to have a cult following. Army of Darkness isn't out yet, but. He already has Maniac Cop and the Evil Dead franchise and a couple other movies in there that people are starting to notice. And I think this really suits him well, playing a, a straight character in a dark apocalyptic movie with insane gore and tons of wonderful violence and stunts. Yeah, that was one of the things I did not expect, was that he would be kind of the most sane character out of everyone in it. Yeah, and we have Angus Scrim, legendary tall man from the Phantasm franchise, coming in. Uh, and, and he's another one of those. Looks like he they hired him for just a couple days. He's an old man, so I'll let it go. But and he's got a he's got a big old helmet on, so it could be anyone under there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the weakest part is technically our lead is not Bruce Campbell. He may be the name above the title, but I can't remember her name. But the girl that's the main star is kind of dull. Definitely, yeah. It could be worse, though. A lot of these movies really cast, like, who's got big boobs? Throw her in there. You know, at least they found someone with some talent in it. And, and... So, basically, this is a weird uh, post-apocalyptic movie where everybody lives inside this dome city, and they're all protected, but it's so many people in such a small space, and there's nowhere to go, and there's hardly any food that you basically live inside your... God, it's like a dorm room at most. And... Pathetic. You know, you get food out of a little dispenser, and you know, and then you watch vids all day long, which kind of like it's a kind of virtual reality, right? Yeah, it's kind of a precursor to the Matrix too. Yeah, it's it's because they inject into the back of your neck, and so it it's not like on your eyes; it's going into your brain and making you believe these adventures are happening. Yeah, so what we're basically explaining is that people lay into a bed. Uh, uh, computer part like injects itself into your neck where you have a port and then you basically enter a sort of virtual reality or dream state um, that tries to feed you positivity and happiness to just keep you sedated until you die yeah and and people are addicted to it and and the girl wants to break free 
And when she rejects the whole thing, they say, well, fuck you then, and throw her out of the dome into the post-apocalyptic world where I don't know how Bruce Campbell looks completely normal. <laughs> yeah, everyone else is like mutated monster, and he's, of course, the dashing Bruce Campbell that we all know. Yeah, and it's like the like, pig, lizard, monster kind of freak show things. And did they mention anything? Did he say, and I missed it, like, oh, I'm from the city and I got kicked out too? I mean, there's like, really no explanation. No, he, like, he... Okay, so, like, it, it doesn't, uh, it, spoiler alert, but, like, it doesn't matter because this is all a, you know, a virtual reality dream. But his explanation was that his family was around during the time period when uh, the people created the dome cities and basically split, um, the society in half people that live in the dome people who get kicked out into okay. the wasteland so he was born into the wasteland uh his, his parents were uh forced out or something like that okay i was but, wondering like, there, are, there are people who are also forced out and we see them and they're already like starting to mutate yeah yeah just being in there in one lifetime so i don't know how he has no uh, markers or anything like that it's kind of weird what I think is interesting is all three movies are very contained spatially to save money. The first one is mostly set in a lab in a tunnel, like underground sewers. The second one, a lot of it is indoor. Uh, I think that's the one with probably the most like outdoor kind of activity in different locations. Um, and then this one is mostly either set in the virtual reality dome area thingy or underground in this whole world that's been created with these freak shows and they're capturing people and they're, they're cannibals or they're making them dig for what leftover pieces of a, a, a gone land, you know, just little trinkets for whatever reason because apparently there's a big open market. <laughs> Did they have eBay in the future? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think they were also like trying to scavenge for minerals or materials to like make weapons or keep their murder machines yeah. on, online. I don't know. And somehow, with such limited budget and limited cast, I still find it incredibly entertaining. The movie, it fucking moves. There's so I much to say that this one I actually liked the most out of the three. Yeah, I just like, think... I, I have my own problems with it, but like in terms of like, did it keep my attention the longest? And I have to say, it was this one. I was really surprised at how ruthless the movie is too. I mean, they just fucking murder people that you never expect. And I was like, oh, this movie has balls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. They'll just uh, throw a character that you think is going to be around, you know, for the rest of the movie or is going to have, like, this a redemption arc or some kind of character arc, and then they just throw them into a blender and yeah. then drink them. Literally, <laughs> blender. They, they're The scene with uh, going down the little conveyor belt into, like, the buzz saws. Oh, that, okay, that's gross, and that's fun. <laughs> that's yeah. not for the squeamish. <laughs> And then they strain it all out and do a bunch of skull cups and then start drinking. Yeah, the first one is too wacky to really be gross. The second one is more classic horror. There's nothing really to be grossed out by. But this one, this one gets like almost Texas Chainsaw level, like a, a, a part two level gore. Yeah, especially and it, 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 it keeps sort of that uh, that sort of dirty, gritty, um, sort of. Uh, gore vibe kind of like from the first Texas Chainsaw where it's it's not like this pristine well-kept area where there's like the killing floor or anything like that there's just there's just gross shit everywhere yeah and in the whole thing with Angus Scrim trying to pass it off to his daughter but also like <laughs> oh 
oh, hey, guess what? You and I are the only normal ones left. Let's have a mutant baby. I'm like, did he think the baby was going to come out normal just because they're normal? Incest is illegal for a reason. You end up with chud babies. I know. I love the irony of the guy being like, hey, let's have an incest baby to avoid defects. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> but then, yes, we, we spoil. Oh, and Bruce Campbell's death is horrific. Holy shit. Um, but we, it turns out it's, I think it's kind of a cheat. I kind of wish they had the balls to stick the landing and make it truly dark and demented instead of like, oh, guess what? The whole thing was just a, you know, a simulation. Yeah, and then when asked, like, so what is it actually like out there? It's like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you're my daughter, and I've been alive this whole time running this machine. Guess what? You got to take over just to keep everything. All right. Yeah, I don't get that either. So, like, she... So, is he... Was he... He said he was alive. But yeah. where's his body? Like, he could just be in the same room with them if he wanted to be. But that's true. Not. So, like, I don't understand. So, like, because when she took over, she ejected from the from the machine. So, so you don't need to be in the machine twenty four seven. The machines that she was in in that room was a receiving station. But the one that he's in that he wants her to take over seems to be a control station where you're. It's more of an output. Yeah, but doesn't she eject from the control station? Because, like, the, the last mm. bit of the movie is her waking up after she accepts the role and then walks over, gets some green juice, and then it, like, hovers over to uh, some kind of jar. Oh, yeah, the you're end. right. You're right. So that does seem weird. Like, so, yeah, so he doesn't need to be in there 24-7. So who, who is running it, though? Oh, that's weird. So is he still there when she, like, ejects? She's like, ah, as soon as I get done drinking this green goop, I'll head on over to the main office. Yeah, right? Like, I don't know. See, that's what I mean by, like, I have my fair share of problems with it. Don't they have other people that can do this job, too? Like, hey, guess what? Everybody chips in for an hour. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's smart enough. You have the massive brain to control this thing. Also, it's weird that, like, he... Okay, so he's the one that's in control, and he decided as a way to try to get her on his side... To create a program where he tries to have sex with her. <laughs> it's fucked then, up, right? <laughs> yeah, and then immediately it's like, by the way, I love you, and you're my daughter, and I'm not at all incestuous, but I don't know why I just showed you that. If you could have been just any marauder, but I decided to choose me <laughs> for no reason. All right, the, the, as you talk more about the movie and break it down, it does get pretty... Yeah, pretty... you know what? I'm kind of starting to change my mind. <laughs> like, a lot of this doesn't make sense now that I think about it. Yeah. But it's fun trash. I, I admire the effort that Fangoria put into it. I mean, they could you know, they wanted to have product that they were proud of, that they had a hand in, and they got to, these like... Are, these are passion projects at the end of the day. Like, yeah. Like, you can tell uh, what, what the, they put a lot into this. And it's kind of unfortunate that it, it wasn't better. Like, obviously, they had, like, they're doing something new, and they, you know, they're, they don't have the, the, the most amount of money. I get it, but... It's just kind of unfortunate. Yeah. Well, it's also during a time period because we discussed this. The horror is kind of in a lull. We're gonna guard. We're about to go into the real dark lull where there's just no horror movies really, unless there's a big name attached to it. And they all bombed anyway. It didn't matter. It's just because uh, until Scream in early '97, you know, really kicking the doors back open for horror, 
it's like a five year just direct to video movies and, and stuff like that because no studio really wanted to put anything out which is weird because if you think about the fact that Bram Stoker's Dracula just made like 300 million dollars you think the yeah. studios would be like okay well maybe we need to put some more prestige in the horror films not not these little and you know, like low budget stuff yeah and that's something that's uh, you know kind of changing now and I'm really happy to see yeah all right, so that's the end of this episode. Next time, we're going to be doing alien invasion movies. I think maybe the best Body Snatchers movie, but we're going to do something weird. We're going to go back to 1978 and watch the version from Donald, starring Donald Sutherland, compare it to the 1993 version, uh, and see what we both think. Both have the same uh, basic plot, but totally different way of telling the stories. You know, I actually just saw some of that at a bar, the 1970s version, uh-huh. uh, a couple months ago. It, it looks really good. I'm actually really excited. Yeah, to each, every single Invasion of the Body Snatchers movies has something to say about the time period that it's in. Except for that really shitty one from 2008 with uh, Nicole Kidman and Daniel Craig. That really didn't have anything to say whatsoever. That was just an oh, entertainment boy. machine. Yeah. All right, so that is it. Everybody, you know where to find us, and have a good night.